0: tonight on hops and box office flops world's hungry place and the darkest things are the hungriest and elite will eat what shines swarm it like mosquitoes or leeches can't do nothing about that what you can do is turn what they came for against them put on those headphones and listen to this pod that way when you're dying at least you're having a little bit of fun
1: hops and box office flops
0: Hello and welcome back to the 79th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by revengeofthefans.com, and tonight we journey back to the place that haunted all of our dreams. It calls to us, beckons us, fear what lurks behind the door of room 237. Yes, listeners, tonight we are doing Stephen King's Dr. Sleep. And as always along with me on our fight against the caravan of kid killers is Captain Cash,
1: uh, please call me Cash the Hat for the remainder of the pod.
0: I no. accept that, and I will do it. Uh, as well as... Boo.
2: The Shinnin. You don't want to get sued, boy. Chumpzilla. Drink well. Stay drunk. Live long. What's drank can never be undrunk. Words to live by, folks. I don't know that's if that's... just sage uh, advice. I don't know if that's Honestly. necessarily true, but... Words to live by. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We also have our resident Stephen King expert, Mayor McCheese.
3: I don't have a snappy one-liner. I'm just happy to be here. Welcome back to the pod. Good to have you. Such enthusiasm. You're like the waning moments of Grampy Flick. Okay. To be honest, I just spent the last over three hours trying to trudge through this game while my kids were going to bed. So I'm coming off of the movie right after it ended. Yeah. I... We'll we'll talk about it, but this is it
0: is long. The uh, I watch the director's cut. You watch the director's cut. I'm not sure if you have to, because I don't know the differences. But I've heard you should. But three hours is a lot of movie. It's a lot of movie. Yeah. Okay. Points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself at Writer T L K on Twitter, Captain Cash or Cash the Hat. Where can they find you when you're not shopping in a hat store in Louisiana?
1: First of all, it's a haberdashery. Second of all, C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media.
0: And uh, Chumpzilla, when you're not uh, luring vulnerable kids with the shine to your creepy van, where can they find you?
2: So on Thursday evenings, you can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. And please, folks, apparently you didn't catch my message last pod. Send me all your at hashtag shitweasel memes. Come on, where are they at, folks?
1: Yeah. We need a meme smith, a shit weasel meme smith. Who among you can pick up that call? You know,
0: Please, so, somebody. so volunteer. far that uh, hashtag hasn't picked up the traction we were hoping. I thought it would really shoot right out of there, just like out of the anus. Be a just sweep in the world, but.
1: Shoot right out of the anus of the internet. Yeah. 4chan. Yeah.
0: So, Doctor Sleep, both the theatrical and director's cut, are available on HBO Max.
3: If you have the subscription. Otherwise, uh, I think you have to buy it. It's on Prima now, I think. Is it? No, Cause... it's on Prime if you have the HBO Max. If popular. you have the is HBO Max. To...
1: Oh, boo. My bad.
0: Okay. So, yeah. If you don't have HBO, I mean, it's worth renting. I, I, w- I wouldn't say a hard buy unless you're like a super fan of Mike Flanagan, which I'm sure there are many. We'll talk about why in a moment.
1: I mean, I th- if you're a King fan, no, no, no. If you're a Stephen King fan, this is worth your buy, I think.
3: I don't. I don't know if it is at fifteen bucks because of how long it is. I would. I mean, give it another six months, it'll be three dollars. Yeah, fair. Sure. It'll, it'll
0: be cheaper for sure. Uh, tonight. Yeah. We, tonight, what are we drinking, Captain Cash?
1: Tonight, coming out of Cleveland, the Great Lakes Brewing Company. We are drinking Nosferatu. Uh, we thought very appropriate for both the holiday season and the fact that the bad guys of this film, when they are not a hotel, are psychic vampires. Uh, This drink gives off steam at eight percent ABV. Um, It is sort of a. It pours pretty dark red overall. I think it's decent, gentlemen.
2: Cheers! Cheers to that! Cheers! Cheers! So then, I guess the blood of children with the shine. Yeah, (laughs) it's not really the blood. It's more their soul. It's more their yeah, but the fear and the pain purifies the steam. Yeah, Yeah. purifies it. This is a brutal movie.
0: Uh so how many bad movies how many bad movies you would you be willing to sit through whilst drinking the Nosferatu red ale
1: Well I'll say this uh it does meet my requirement of more than 7% um so you know it it's it's decent it's it's definitely a it's a weird combo right like a red ale is usually not that strong and I can usually sit and drink six or seven red ales over the course of a couple hours and feel nothing with this I, you know I'd give it two. I'd give it two because I like how high octane it is. But um I don't know. It's a weird combination. It's not like a a normal high octane or high gravity beer I'm used to.
0: Okay, McCheese, this beer is local to your area. What do you think? How many how many bad movies would you sit through?
3: I'd give it a like one and a half Doctor Sleeps. Um or Two and a half regular length <laughs> movies. It, I mean, it's very good, and at eight percent, um, it's. I mean, it is pretty aggressive, but you drink it fairly slow because of how um, dominating the taste is. So you're not just gonna chug through them.
0: That that's fair. Eight anything over seven uh, can be a little little heavy. So this movie, and as I mentioned, right, if you're Mike Flanagan completionist, I know this is also inspired by the Stephen King novel. But Mike Flanagan is really an up and coming horror director. He directed this film. It was his largest production to date. Uh you may have heard of him because he's directed Absentia, uh Oculus, Ouija, The Origins of Evil, Hush, Before I Wake, Gerald's game. Uh he also brought The Haunting of Blind Manor and The Haunting of Hill House to Netflix. Like he was the showrunner basically for those, the main writer. Uh he is yeah, he's a big-time name in horror right now. And I have seen a bunch of his movies, and I like most of them. And uh, I, I think this is a good one, too. Especially, you see the progression of his career, especially when you get to this movie. If you start with Absinthe, which he essentially made in a weekend for no money at all, and then you see this, like, the scale of what they did in this movie is really impressive. Uh, it stars Obi-Wan himself, Ewan McGregor, as Dan Torrance. Rebecca Impossible Mission Force Ferguson as Rose the Hat. Uh, Cliff Whale Rider Curtis as Billy Freeman. Kylie Competent Child Actor Curran as Abra Stone. Carl Lurch Struken as Grandpa Flick. And Zahn, I got to act with the legendary Kurt Russell McLarnin as Crow Daddy. He's also in season two of Fargo. He's the best character. He's just great, uh, amongst others. And we'll mention one of them as we go through the plot dr sleep i mentioned based on a stephen king novel of the same name the story itself is a direct sequel to the shining uh the movie was released november 8th 2019 it grossed 72.3 million on a production budget as high as 55. they probably marketed the heck out of this because considering the success of it chapters one and two which grossed 701.8 million and 473.1 million you know they were really high on stephen king properties over at wb Safe to say $72 million had to be a disappointment. Uh, I would think there was high expectations.
1: And there should have been. I really like this movie. I I am
3: prepared to ride or die for this thing. Can I circle back to the cast real quick? I mean, yes. I know you guys haven't all read the book, but in my mind, I, I always thought Crow Daddy was more of a Bill Mosley, if I'm saying that right, type. The guy from House of a Thousand Corpses, Ortis but maybe that's how i was pictured it in my head uh yeah.
0: certainly like i've started reading the book i'm about a quarter of the way through you've read the whole book uh, i would say yeah the characters don't exactly fit the descriptions like grampy flick seems to be more of like a decrepit old man in the book and in this he's literally lurch he's gigantic like I was actually shocked that Lurch from the Adams Family movies was still alive, but I was happy that he was. Not for the whole movie. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, uh, the actor. The actor. Yeah.
3: Lurch. Is... Yeah, okay, yes. I apologize. I I was rude. Uh, so, um, I'll,
2: I'll be obnoxious here. 15 years ago, Crow Daddy is Lou Diamond Phillips in the movie. Well, yeah, I can see that.
0: Yeah, this uh McLarnan's a really uh, hot actor right now. He's been in a ton of stuff. I love him. Mainly because I love the Fargo TV show. But he's great in everything. So I was happy he was in this.
3: Uh, I I kind of sidetracked us. We can get back on. Oh, no, I'm uh, just saying in the movie, though,
2: he's portrayed as a faux Native American, you know, mystic man type guy. Is it faux?
0: He's actually Native American,
2: yes. I, mean, no, I, don't but they, I I they, don't think they I don't think they're re- it's kind of a stereotypes What I'm saying
0: like, well, I agree. I think uh, it's which a, apparently it's not sort something of a from the book. is what I'm trying cliche. to say. They,
2: the movie turns into the uh, stereotypical mystic Native American. But apparently yeah. that was not the book's portrayal.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was just in my head. That's what I saw it as. But not, you know, it doesn't. I mean, you could read the book and get a different interpretation.
0: We're going to get into gotcha. the True Knot, which is what they're called when we get to the plot. And I do have some thoughts on that. Uh, I do so think is that this, like True
2: Blood? No, or is it's, that not, it's not that lame, it's but called. it's
0: pretty lame. Uh, to me, this movie, I, I don't think it deserved to be a disappointment either. Am I shocked it's a disappointment? No. I'll talk about that more after the plot. But it was super well-reviewed, 77% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes with 317 reviews. It's pretty crazy when you do these newer movies and you see how many more reviews there are for movies like this. And The fans gave it an 89%. Clearly the audiences took to it, but that didn't inspire people to go see it. But the people that did see it loved it.
1: Uh, And I am one of those people. I want to stress that. I didn't see it in theaters. I caught it at home on VOD, I think basically right at the start of the pandemic. And this was like, I was blown away. I enjoyed the hell out of this movie.
3: And I wonder I wonder what the audience demographic is. Is it people wanting to see a follow-up to The Shining and King fans? Or is it just people who are like, I really like horror? Because if you say, like I really like horror, you're going to wander into more of the slasher films that are popular now. This is more, and we'll talk about it, it's, it's a longer, more thought-out story that progresses. And I think that kind of falls on deaf
2: ears with some of the new horror crowds. I agree with you 100%, yeah. Mary McCheese. I think this movie is definitely geared towards the, the Stephen King book fans. It's not a great horror movie in the fact that it's particularly scary and or gory or it's got an inventive villain and there's some sort of unique visuals to it. But it is an interesting story and it's a slow, slow burn. And if you like the Stephen King books, you'll probably enjoy the way this thing flows. I would argue that unless you have seen The Shining, you
1: shouldn't watch this. Most of this is predicated on you understanding the entirety of the plot of The Shining and what all of that means, this movie doesn't spend a lot of time
2: giving you a primer. In the last third, they give you a quick, quick rehash, but you have to be able to take what they show you and then apply it to what you've heard before, mm-hmm. right? And to your point, you're right there, Captain Cash. If you don't have The Shining in your background, it's way harder to connect those dots. They can be connected, but it's so much easier and meaningful if you've seen The Shining.
0: Well, yeah, this when when we did New Nightmare and you argued like you really have to be a big fan of Nightmare on Elm Street to, to get what they're going for there, you do have to have some sort of background knowledge on the character of Danny Torrance and the trauma that he suffered and why the Outlook Hotel is so significant and why going back there would be such a traumatic experience in itself for him. Um, and The Shining came out in 1980. We all like The Shining. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. Like, it's a Kubrick it's classic, but uh, let's face it. Like, Flat-out
2: classic. Yeah. Flat-out classic. It's, yeah. it's a visual experience. Yeah,
0: we're on the fringe of that not being like as relevant as it used to be. Like, it's very relevant well, I mean, to us, but 15-year-olds aren't like, of course we've seen The Shining.
1: Very fair. Very but fair. But the visual language and the stuff that was created in that film, like the, here's Johnny, and smashing through a door with an axe, is still stuff that gets played out.
0: Yeah. Like
1: uh, And parodied across multiple places. So while it's not scary anymore, the I
2: feel twins, like the... The the big wheel, the elevator out in the blood, the, the, blood, blood yes. the maze... But uh the typewriter. The Shining is also all work and no play makes dull, or makes Jack a dull boy. I yeah. mean, there's so many cliches now. Granted, I think you're 100 percent right here, Captain Cash. That stuff is fading from the pop culture zeitgeist. It definitely like, is. The millennials aren't as keen on The Shining as us old fart, faux Gen Xers are. We I, we are millennials. Right, that's s- fine.
0: I saw a whole thread. I said
2: faux Gen Xers because we we obviously don't. Self identifies millennials, but no, technically, we are the oldest millennials. Uh, technically, I did
0: see a thread on Twitter the under, other day, so I guess it was sort of fortuitous that we ended up doing this before doing Event Horizon or The Mist, whatever we are doing next. But it was all about how Stan, Stanley Krubrick movies are boring, nobody's interested in visual cues and being shown different things and like having to think about the plot of the film. And I was like, isn't that appropriate? Because that's why everybody loves most Stanley Kubrick movies because they are open to your interpretation and you're supposed to be paying very close attention Uh, because like The Shining, this is a slow burn, very slow burn, which leads us to, how would you describe it in one sentence? We'll start with you, Cash, the hat.
1: Listen, I'm not going to be snarky or make a joke. I'm just going to call this
2: the perfect sequel to The Shining because to me, that's what this is. Okay. Uh... All right, after that, I move that we now call him Cash in the Hat for the rest of the pod.
0: The Cash in the Hat? Sure.
2: The Cash in the Hat? I'm I'm fine with that.
0: I mean, he pulls yes. weird stuff out of his ass all the time. Makes total sense. Uh,
1: it, listen, if it means I have to talk and rhyme the, the rest of the pod, I'm going to do it, by God.
0: No,
3: no, 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 no.
0: I Make reverse. it so. Okay, uh, he's no longer Cash in the Hat. Ch- uh, Chubzilla, how would you, you this describe box? it?
1: Don't don't make me <laughs> get
2: out the fox. The fox. Anyway, Doctor Sleep is Stephen King's supernatural reimagining of Train Spotting, which he failed to package as a sequel to The Shining. Okay. Eh. Come on, we we get the Train Spotting baby in this movie.
0: Yeah, eh. this movie yeah. is actually born out of Stephen King doing autograph signings, and one of the most frequent questions he got was, people were like, Hey, what happened to Danny Torrance? He's like, you know, I never really thought about it. He used to make up bullshit answers like, oh, he married whoever from one of his other books. Uh, And he's like, maybe I should develop that. And then there was an actual cat at a hospice.
3: And that's how he got the idea for Dr. Sleep. Uh, McCheese. So, mine is, what happens when a group of dying hippie-ish vampires try to fight off the strongest child telepath, an adult Danny Torrance, and the Overlook Hotel? You end up with one of the best adaptations of a King novel, unlike last week's Crapfest.
0: Uh, yeah. Mine is, you know, carnies, circus folk, small hands smell like cabbage. (laughs) Want to eat
2: children? Yeah. That's (laughs) slightly worse than the (laughs) Dutch. And you take that back. Mary McCheese. Dreamcatcher is fantastic. Uh,
3: I can't, I can't, you know, I can't it's, get behind it's
2: that.
0: Also for is that we decided to talk about a Stephen King adaptation that wasn't a hot pile of uh, hemorrhoid alien shit. <laughs> so I feel much better this week than I did last
2: week. Shit weasel. Shit weasel. Well, hashtag shit weasel. No but to your point Mary McCheese I can tell without even reading this book, that this movie is a much better adaptation of the book because it has a lot more thought into the plot. There's a lot of things that they give you early on that pay off later. It does a good job of being a satisfying narrative, but to me, it just wasn't a visually exciting movie. And when you're following up Kubrick's The Shining, it's tough for me to to rectify those two uh, you know different things. There's a whole duality between the Stephen King books, and then the movies. This is a visual media. I think Kubrick's movie is a more interesting visual thing, but I'm sure this movie, Dr. Sleep, is much closer to the book. So it's a win-win in different ways.
3: I will say, well, I mean, it's tough to top Kubrick's like w- how are you going to one up that on the sequel? I mean, well, the visuals the, I mean,
2: Kubrick's visuals are outstanding. I know he strays from the book, but the visuals are fantastic.
3: no, and and I'm not even comparing it to the book. I'm comparing it to Kubrick's vision and what he did with those visuals. This movie brings some of that back in, especially with that um, this not the sound effect, but the music that plays over like twice. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I mean, some of the visuals are actually very good, but it is not it is not the most best visual movie, if you will. But the reason I'm comparing it to Dreamcatcher is the you know, we didn't watch the the original of this movie was two hours and 30 minutes. The director's was three hours. Dreamcatcher was two hours and 15. And in this movie, they managed to tell so much better of a story than the last movie and actually track the book um, to much finer detail than what we got in that one. Yeah, uh,
0: we're going to move on. We're going to get to the plot. I'll just say that having only read the first quarter of the book, the first hour of the movie, obviously there's exclusions uh, and, it, and it truncates it, follows it very closely. It tracks very nicely. So if you were a big fan of the book, you'd be like, wow, they're doing a really good job layering this movie in the ways that the book is layered. Obviously things are done differently, but that's what you hope to see when you're a Stephen King fan. Because he does have many many layers uh, to his novel, like an onion. Yeah.
1: Why? Well, l- listen, it, not only so does Stephen King's do, an ogre. Yes. What I'm saying is Stephen King is an ogre. Uh, but what that I, checks out? Yeah. But what I also am saying is this book, excuse me, this movie is not just a really great adaptation of the novel. It's also a really great continuation of the movie. Because, and we'll get into the differences later, but the way The Shining, the book ends, and the way The Shining, the movie ends, are completely different.
0: Yes. yeah. And Stephen King hates the movie's ending. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it puts a nice clean bow on everything. Which, I mean, if you're going back
1: almost 40 years later to redo or to continue a story... Finding a way to put a nice bow on it, like it, it's such a strong, like it. So many movies who will go back after ten or twenty or thirty years to try to redo some kind of story, just fall completely flat. Here, I think they had a story to tell. They managed to connect it very well with what came before it, and it does put a nice bow on it. Like that's what you want out of this experience.
0: Yeah, and it's not a cash grab, which is what a lot of movies that are. 20, 30, 40 years on down the line. It's like, Hey, let's capitalize on this.
1: Listen, I I understand that they're making this movie to make money. I'm, I, I get that's what it's a movie business, right? But at the same time, every so often it makes art. And I really feel like this is one of those times.
0: And that's, I think heavily due to the director who was a gigantic fan of both Stephen King and the movie and wanted to pay real homage to that movie. Anyways, the IMDB description uh, for this film is years following the events of the shining a now adult Danny Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the true Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. So that's their description. It's pretty spot on, which will lead me right into the plot, which is going to be very brief because you should watch this movie. This movie is good. It deserves an audience. I'm not going to spoil it for you.
1: I feel like we're going to have to spoil this a little to really talk about it because a lot of this is the end. That's where I think it gets strongest. And, you know, again, sort of spoilers. There's a cameo at the end of this that just hits like a fucking freight train.
0: That's that's fair, Captain Cash. It is difficult to not spoil this movie without discussing everything that happens inside the Overlook Hotel as that is sort of the climax of the film but it's also a huge part of the film that's why it's in the trailers. Uh, In the aftermath of the Overlook Hotel incident i.e. the malevolent spirits of the hotel driving his father insane resulting in him attempting to murder both Danny and his mother Danny still battles the demons of that place. He's able to overcome their presence by locking them away with his shine, thanks to the help of a dead, and not actually scatman, Carruthers, but he looks a hell of a lot like him, with that power. This, of course, doesn't equate to a normal happy existence. Uh, Danny sort of grows up into a drunk drifter. He goes from town to town working odd jobs, silencing the shine with a heavy amount of booze and inappropriate behaviors.
1: And all of that is just it's so brutal to watch because it's it's him extending the cycle of abuse that he had with his father. Exactly. And and it comes up later where he talks about the only way I could connect with my father is when I was completely drunk. And it's
2: dang. Yep. Yeah. Uh... There, There are some pretty heavy allusions to generational trauma and substance abuse in this movie. Yeah, That are fictionalized, but also very grounded in reality. I mean, those are real things that people go through. And I found that to be a very interesting part of the movie because I was not expecting that at all to have such a stark and accurate portrayal of, of those concepts. And, and, it, and it had weight. You felt it. And again, you have room for that in a three-hour movie. Because it, it's not totally crucial to the plot, but it's some heavy, heavy character development. Mm. And you get to witness it almost like in real time because they go like real in depth with it. So anyway, sorry. I
3: I don't want to get too much into the oh, this isn't like the book like I did last week. But I think we're touching on the scene where Danny come, you know, he wakes up from a bender and he's in bed with a girl he met at the bar and he's trying to leave and he's stealing her money because he kind of puts it together. They spent all of his on Coke. And a kid comes out of the bedroom. The the one thing that is a little more brutal in the book is that he's trying to leave and he's trying to get the kid to go back in the room. And the kid yells candy and makes a run at the table and tries to grab the cocaine.
1: Yike.
0: Yeah. And that and that becomes when Dick uh, Halloran is is basically telling him, like, you can lock away these malevolent spirits, but you can never lock away memories like these things are going to stay with you. Like the horrors that you witness and and the life that you're leading and the things that you remember, it's never going away.
3: Yes, you can get rid of seeing that
1: you're participating in.
3: He also sees that the kid is bruised up. So he's obviously abused and he still ends up stealing her money. It's all more brutal uh, in the book, but it's brutal enough
0: because, I mean, one of the taboos of, of... of screenwriting and movies is is you never show dead kids for the most part. And this <laughs> movie has no issue murdering kids <laughs> and showing dead kids. all dead kids. Yeah. <laughs> but it has to, for for the story to be faithful and the story to work, like you have to understand that, yes, the True Knot are sort of lame, but they kill children, so they're really heinously evil. So that is the general overview. But you're also introduced to the True Knot, or a group of roving... Uh, caravaners, uh, miscreants who are seemingly immortal and feed on the Shine, which is essentially the pain and fear of those they kill. And we also get introduced to Abra, who's a young girl who's incredibly gifted with the Shine and really the other principal protagonist of the movie. Now, I have a quick question because the True Knot, who are essentially the principal antagonist of the movie, I was not particularly fond of. I did not think they were very cool. What's your take on the True Knot? questions about them, what have you. Captain Cash.
1: I don't think they're supposed to be cool. That's the point. They're a roving band of child murderers. They suck. They're supposed to suck.
0: I guess cool is a poor choice of words, but they're not interesting. She wears yoga pants. Like, they're not even visually interesting.
1: Okay, first of all, Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat is incredibly hot throughout this entire thing. That's excuse enough for yoga pants. Now... You want to talk about, you know, are they menacing or whatever? I, I mean, yes, because they are deeply unsettling to watch and they kill children, one, explicitly on screen that is really hard to watch.
0: Jacob Tremblay.
1: Yeah, but more than that, it's... I kind of like it because they treat themselves as a family, right? So you're also introduced to uh, how they add more people to the true not, right? Uh, Which is part of, you get them to imbibe the steam, and they're only using other people who have the shine to do that. But they don't have some sort of secret knowledge. They're just a bunch of idiots who have been around for the last 300 years.
0: But, But that's really not what they're supposed to be. They're actually, they're much more intelligent than the average layman. They dress and act so absurdly because they're supposed to be fooling us into ignoring their misbehaviors.
3: Yeah, I'm already going to go back on what I just said. So they do a better explanation in the book where she, Rose the hat goes into a big explanation of like, you pass us every day on the highway, we're RV people, we shop at Walmart, we eat at McDonald's, you don't ever recognize us, we park at camping grounds, like, you could go your entire life without even picking out one of us, and that's our goal.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the point. They're completely banal dickheads who murder children. Like, I, like I, I'm, in I some ways, agree. that makes them scarier.
3: I will agree with the Thunderous Wizard, though, that, you know, they don't have a lot to add other than the fact that they're terrible. Like, they're not <sighs> visually interesting. They don't have a lot of great dialogue. You don't get introduced to a ton of the characters. I mean, you basically end up knowing three of them. So... They could have done a little more character development or built that out a little, but it's also not 100% necessary.
0: Because there's a big scene with them that feels totally inconsequential because you don't know who any of them are, really. Like, you needed more with them than... Especially since the movie opens with them, and that's
2: all you get. Here's the thing. In reality, that description of shopping at Walmart, eating at McDonald's, being at the truck stops, the RV people thing... That makes sense because that also plays into the reality. Most children are killed or kidnapped by people that are familiar to them. Okay? So, actually, the people you know are the most dangerous. The whole thing of, like, random people stealing your kids is not a real threat. So, the fact that they would try to appear to be familiar and blend in, that makes sense because that's how you would get away with it because you don't want to be conspicuous. But... This is a movie, this is fiction, these are supernatural villains, so the whole shtick of them blending in doesn't really like deliver a lot of tension, drama, or visual flair. So it's a, it's a real weird balance, because granted, in reality, what they're describing would be the best way to achieve what they're doing, but it's sort of boring and doesn't really add much to a movie. I think it's
1: funny that you guys are framing it that way because to me the people as part of the True Knot look very distinct. Like Mm-mm. Rose the Hat particularly wears this weird top hat that she's tied a bunch of
2: stuff around. Hey, hey, hey wait. Oh, stop, stop, stop. Captain Cash, she looks like half the chicks you see at all the renaissance fairs and comic cons you go to. She does not She She's wearing at all. yoga pants in a goofy uh, hat. There, there are millennials normal doing that for the gram right now. Like that. Yeah, normal she's a, she's a social like media that. influencer. Normal people like
1: that do not blend in. They, they translate very clearly as caravan people. That's where I think it's kind of, it's kind of funny because when you, if you were to see this group of people together, you'd be like, "Those are some kind of carnies." All right, weird.
0: I'm gonna implore you to watch a movie called Knuckle about the traveling people in Ireland that just go around fist fighting other clans of traveling folk they're scary I'm not fighting any of them Rose the Hat in her yoga pants does not scare me one iota even with some of the creepy things they do and there is a kill in this movie that is truly heinous I'm sorry it just
2: didn't work I've seen scary looking chicks in the art program at liberal arts colleges
1: I'm just saying I mean this is they they are very much dressed just like that that's fair.
2: Okay. Well, I mean we we Moving have mixed
0: on. reactions to the True Knot, also a stupid name.
2: Well, it, it, and wait a minute, I just want to point out just to continue to dog on Captain Cash's beliefs here. The True Knot in general, they're fairly goofy. And all things considered, they seem like generic Crosses between high school goth kids and theater kids that have all grown up with the family from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, yeah, no, that's completely fair. Not and even that's like pretty much what we're getting here. And also, I have one question: What the fuck is up with those freaking Soul Thermoses? Where did those come from? I, I, I. Agree they're just Yetis. They're point. very nice. Right, right. Yeah, they're just fancy Yetis. Exactly.
1: So- to give some explanation here, the true not have canisters that they store the steam in uh, that they can then drink later to sustain their lives. We are given no expl and they look very sort of sci-fi e, and we're given no explanation as to where they come from. They're
0: they're just yetis, except the same exact function as the thing that Newman
3: gives Datsun in Jurassic Park.
1: Yes, it's got this weird like little claw opening.
3: It literally could have been a Yeti with just a really tight lid. Like, there's no reason for the prongs to open up at top, considering Rose the Hat just somehow mouth dispenses the steam in. <laughs> I just, and then they just take the top out
2: to let it out. More, let the record visually that interesting. there's nothing more than that Captain Cash would like than to have Rose the Hat mouth dispense anything into his mouth.
1: <laughs> listen,
2: <laughs> which listen. is clearly stated. But uh, that, that's not untrue. But I will
1: say this much about uh, the canisters: if you look closely at them, they contain like uh, some sort of emblem or gregery from the child they have killed. Like one of them very distinctly has like a Boy Scout thing. And as you start to look closer at what the totems they have
2: totems from the victims,
0: yeah,
1: is really gross and creepy.
0: all right. I mean, we have mixed mixed feelings. I, I just wish it was a little more House of a Thousand Corpses and a little less uh, sweating to the oldies.
1: So I, I think it's less it's less sweating to the oldies. It's more uh, a yoga retreat yeah. kind of group.
0: So Danny and Abra, who is this other principal protagonist, they connect through their mutual gift. They write each other notes. Uh, they communicate via the Shine. Uh, this, of course, leads to her needing his help. She witnesses the true knot abduct and subsequently murder a young boy, as I said, Jacob Tremblay.
3: Torture. Torture and murder.
1: Yeah, yeah it's 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 a full like three minutes of them murdering a ten year old on screen. Yeah.
0: I just want to point out that Jacob Tremblay is a big enough star to just be like, Yeah, fuck it. I'm gonna show up in your movie, get abducted and murdered and say peace. Like that's how big a star he is. He can do whatever he wants. He's like young Brad Pitt now. Uh, this connection also outs her to Rose the Hat it is then up to her and Danny to stop the True Knot so that is the spoiler free plot to the movie what we're going to do now is we're going to say hey how many beers do you think it takes to watch this what were our general impressions we're going to go around the horn and uh, we'll start with Chumzilla this time because he seems to be the lone uh, dissenter of the group.
2: Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but it three hours long for the director's cut. I'm going to give this the full six beers, but I'll add, you know, the warning here that this is a slow burn. Not a lot happens for the first like hour and 15 minutes of the movie.
1: There is so, literal child murder and full frontal zombie nudity. I don't. I can't agree.
3: Go on. I understand
2: that, Captain Cash, but those are all things I've seen before, and it is too far and, and few between to keep me engaged. It kind of drags on. Now, the second half of this movie really picks up. So you could definitely, in three hours, get in six beers, but you run the risk. of getting a little drowsy midway through, so just be prepared. But, yeah, it ends better than it starts. So it's not a bad movie, but it's just tough to get through at three hours. So, again, six beers. That wow. is my rating.
0: I, I We're going to go to McCheese, but I think like what you're describing, though, is The Shining. The Shining is a very slow, long movie that all builds... It builds, and there's things throughout it just like there is, as Captain Cash just said in this movie, but the end is what you're there for in The Shining. Really. Like That's where it all becomes so
3: insane and off the walls. Listen... Chumpzilla is not here for storytelling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you did uh, it for I, the
3: child murder and nothing else. So if, I, if I'm doing this like golf, I'm giving it a beer and a half uh, because I think it's a great movie. Um, if I'm doing this, honestly, I'd say it's three beers because it's three hours long and I can have a beer an hour while watching it and not lose focus on the story or how it ties into the book and the original shining. Uh, but no, it, I mean, it's a really good movie. It's, it's a beer and a half for me. Uh, I would say three,
0: but not in a bad way. Three is in your casually drinking, enjoying the movie. I watched this. I was really tired, and I knew I had to get it done for the pod. And I was never bored. Uh, I really enjoyed where it was going. I was I was very invested in the story it was telling. Uh, I said not my favorite, but it is a very solid movie and a great adaptation.
1: Uh, I'm going to give this two beers, uh, mostly because I feel like I could probably drink two beers in. I didn't watch the director's cut, full disclosure, in the hour or two and a half hours. This movie takes place over uh, because this is a really good movie and we're going to get into more of why I think this is a great movie and what it does really well in the spoiler section. But yeah, watch this movie now. Don't listen to the spoilers. Just go absorb it for yourself two beers you're going to have a real good time with the caveat you have to have watched the shining first
0: okay so now we're going to get into spoilers so if you're listening to this pod uh the timestamp will be in the notes the description of the pod and the time for you to resume the pod will also be in those notes so i'm not going to make you fast forward blindly i'll put it in there for the description of the pod so you've been forewarned it is spoiler time we are now referring to our resident stephen king expert mayor mccheese does this work as an adaptation of the source material as well as a successor to kubrick's movie because if you're unfamiliar the ending of kubrick's film and the book are quite different and when flanagan was discussing with stephen king adapting this novel uh, he knew he wanted to be faithful to both of their visions, but he really had to be faithful to Kubrick's because that is the shining that the majority of people do recognize. Now, whether that is fading from the cultural zeitgeist or not, which we all think it sort of is, it is the, that is the probably predominant uh, ending that people know.
1: If I may, this is fading from the cultural zeitgeist the same way fucking Casablanca is.
0: Okay, so you mean that it is?
1: Uh, I mean, there are aspects of this film that will endure for a hundred years. That, yeah, but that doesn't... The that, same way that play it again, Sam. The same way that this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
0: Uh, you can't just... The w-
1: same deal.
0: You can't just watch Here's Johnny and be like, oh, yeah, like great. It, it, it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie.
2: There's a lot Captain of shit Cash. that
0: happens in The Shining.
2: You know, Here's the deal. You're 100% right. It is the same thing as Casablanca, but they're on the same schedule. They're getting faded out together. Listen, Casablanca uh, yeah. is that much further out, and, you know, The Shining is trailing behind it. Again, I'll tell you right. I, I know kids. I got kids, younger kids. They don't know The Shining. Yeah, that's, it, that's, that's my that's fault fine. as a parent. That's my fault as a parent, but, yeah. yeah they can't they know it They know haven't seen it. I mean, the but don't
3: ever compare... Again, that's, of my the that's
1: my fault. That's my fault. But there is a part of The Shining that is so ingrained just simply in the culture that you will know The Shining just by cultural osmosis. But that doesn't to mean your, you know to the your movie. Def- like,
2: right. And to your defense there, Captain Cash, people will know the memes. They'll know the jokes and sure. the references, but they won't know where they come from. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's that's, the,
0: reason. that's a big thing. like. Understanding the shining, understanding the moment with Jack Torrance hacking through the door with with the fire axe is much there's more context. important than just the the meme or the gif of him doing that. Like, there's a lot that leads to that. Uh, so, what do you think, McCheese? And since no, I've no, read a fourth no. of the book, I'll chime in as well. And we'll obviously all chime in with why we think it works
3: as a sequel, but we'll start with McCheese. No. Yeah, I mean. It can't follow, you can't do the book. You can't follow the path of the book because the Overlook doesn't exist in the book. So I I think it follows the best path of the book it could, and I think it ties the two, uh, or the four, if you will. It ties them all together and kind of, like I said before, it puts a bow on it, and it does it in a really good way. I mean, it's an excellent story. It cleans up all those loose ends, and, you know, I'm... I appreciate that the director reached out to King to get it done, unlike Kubrick, because I mean, that's fairly well documented that there's bad blood between King and Kubrick because they bought the property and let Kubrick do whatever he wanted with it, which isn't what King wanted to happen. And it was one of his first stories. So he wasn't smart enough to say, like, hey, if I don't have some say in the filmmaking then this thing might get sideways, which he learned after this and a couple other movies.
0: Which uh, he's always hated, the original Shining ending uh, and elements of the film, which is why they remade it as a miniseries. And to your point, like, not only did Flanagan reach out to him, they reached out to the estate of Stanley Kubrick and got the blueprints that he used for the creation of the Overlook Hotel and then painstakingly recreated those sets for this movie, this is not CGI for the most part. Like this is yeah, they, insanely... they, did a, they
3: did a great job. They did a great job. As far as I know,
1: they reused no footage from the original Shining. That's how intense the recreation effort was. No, no. Okay. Like I know what you're thinking when you're like, "Oh, was that Shelley Long or whoever it was, um, the woman who plays uh, Danny's mother, Wendy?" Wendy. Wendy. It's it's not her. Really. It's not. It's wild.
3: It, it looks it looks so good. I watched it in the last 2 hours and I was like, "Oh,
2: they just spliced in some of the original."
1: And they didn't.
2: Really. I, I, I 100% thought they used footage from the original. That's not. That was no, I,
1: I really I really don't I'll I'll need to double check, but when I was doing research right on this... now,
2: stop. Let's stop. Stop. Double check. No, no. It's uh, on I, the I, It's I on the quiz. Just keep
0: going. He's uh, right, he's not right. correct.
2: But he's Edited mostly correct.
3: Whoa.
0: Captain Cash, now you're not 100% correct, quick. but you're mostly correct. Most of this is redone, rebuilt completely, including special ordering the carpets, which they then had to correct and post because they weren't the exact color. People were walking around the sets of this movie with an iPad, framing shots to ensure that they looked as dead on to Kubrick's vision as they could. That, that's how meticulous the detail was. So the ballroom, uh, the front foyer the with the typewriter, the hallway, which, by the way, uh, not only did they have the child's big wheel that the child actor rode around, they built an adult-sized big wheel so all the cast and crew, the director, Rebecca Ferguson, could do that ride through the hallways of the Overlook. That's hotel. awesome.
1: Yeah. Can I, but can That's I what pay? I'm talking can about pay with to do this, do this film. Like, they clearly cared, and it oozes from Every frame of this movie. I like this movie a lot.
3: I will say that it was in my comments that I I actually really like whoever. I don't know who it is. And I'm sure the thunderous wizard can tell me who they uh, recast to play the new Wendy um, in like the sort of flashbacks, because not only does she look like the original Wendy, but she also has that dopey arm out run when she goes to get him on the beach. Alex Esso. Studied the
0: mannerisms and the performance of Shelley Duvall uh, to really master that. I think she said she watched the movie four times to get all that down. Now, here's the big spoiler, right? In going to the Overlook, the closure of this movie is that he gets to speak with his father, who is now just another malevolent spirit of the Overlook Hotel. He's not really his father anymore.
1: And the way this is framed. It is it is Dan at the bar, and it is a bartender who you don't see who is trying to convince him to have a drink to make the failure that his father had to start drinking again and go off the edge, and then it pulls back. And you know what? It's not Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson is fucking 70 years old and has been retired the last 15 years.
0: It's, it's Henry Thomas. What-
3: Elliot from ET. But that's what happens in the original Shining is that Jack Torrance goes to the bar and he starts talking to the bartender Lloyd, and it looks like his favorite bartender, and Lloyd convinces him to start drinking and talking to the management, which is what happens in this movie.
1: Right. But Dan doesn't, like, he confronts the demon that is his father and his own alcoholism. And makes the right choice and in that moment like i I really enjoyed the part where uh danny shares his shares the body with abra and kind of like basically tells crow daddy hey i'm about to fucking wreck you like that's where like this movie kicks into high gear for me and it's like oh my god this is just great the whole time
2: yeah but that's the last like 30 minutes of the movie
1: well,
0: you know, it's, this is a very psychological movie. This is about this person overcoming. This is, it's really a six-hour movie, if you're watching it yeah. in concert with The Shining. So this, you're watching the trauma of this kid through one half. And it's carried over into this because there's flashbacks. But this is a journey, you know, and it, it has to be earned. And this movie felt really earned to me.
1: Yes. Yes, like now, uh, Chumzilla has said previously that you know none of this felt like a spoiler. Nothing happened that we we, he didn't expect to happen, and I agree. But I also think it's executed so well that I
2: don't care. I think what I'm really trying to say is, the second half of your six-hour movie is very satisfying if you're Danny Torrance. This gives so much closure to that character, which goes back to your earlier comment about like Stephen King being asked, like, Hey, whatever happened to Danny, this movie definitively answers that question. And I'm assuming the book does to a certain extent as well. Mary McCheese will have to be the, the final judge on that. But yeah, so this definitely gives closure to that character's arc. But to me as a casual observer, I just kind of was like, all right, well, that's great, but I was expecting more of a show. Yeah,
0: you know, I could be wrong. Just my observation of what's happening here is that you have The Shining on a, on a certain pedestal, and I don't know if you would have been satisfied no matter how well they did it.
2: I, I think all I wanted to see out of this movie was something unique, because The Shining gave us those unique, memorable, iconic visuals and I wanted this movie to up the ante. And on a visual aspect, I don't think it did. But emotionally, it was, yeah, it tied up a lot of loose ends. And I suppose it could be very satisfying if you cared about the characters. Mm-hmm. And that's probably my biggest sin. I was not emotionally invested in the characters of Danny. Or Adam for that also, matter.
3: This could also semi-explain why the movie only made $80 million or slightly less.
0: Yeah, and that that is my sort of... Should this have flopped? Captain Cash said no. Uh, I don't think it should have. I understand why it did, and we've mentioned that. And I, just like Captain Cash, I didn't go see this in the theaters. This wasn't like a, oh, i got to go see this. Because yeah. I, I don't know if the trailers did as, as much justice. Well, I think it's a hard movie to make a trailer for. Because all That's the best true. elements of it are sort of spoiler on their own. So right I think it's difficult to market that and then again like it yes it is supernatural but Pennywise is a very tangible villain he's horrifying he's the manifestation of a child's nightmares and fears and the true not it's much more difficult to market them as like hey you gotta go see the next great horror villains
2: it's a hard sell
0: yeah I, I don't know uh so best scare of the film. Also, did you find it particularly scary? I'll just say I didn't find it particularly scary. I did find it very psychologically haunting in at times. And to me, obviously, the best moment we referenced in our spoiler section, so I won't retread that ground here. But the Overlook Hotel, everything in there is a masterwork. Uh, everybody involved from the production, uh, you know, the people who are building the sets up on down, my gosh. To have done, to manage it with such care was just insanely awesome.
1: For me, the the scariest part is is everything that involves the baseball boy, where they abduct and murder a, how old is he supposed to be, nine or ten-year-old boy? Yes, yeah. Like, that's, that's full-on brutal and something that sticks with you. That like, was, even... uh,
0: it's difficult to watch. as As parents, we're all parents, I was having a little bit of trouble there.
1: Like, even the, the part where it's just, it's Crow Daddy sitting in the the stands watching the baseball game take place. And you hear these two dads talking to each other, presumably dads, talking to each other saying, you know, Oh, watch him, he can predict where the pitch is coming from. And someday there's going to be some scout come to find him. And you see Crow Daddy give this little
2: smile. And just the malice behind that is just, ugh.
1: Okay,
0: Chumpzilla?
2: Just one comment on that scene. I think that's a fantastic piece of subtle social commentary as to how we uh, commoditize our children at an early age. Mm. Because there are people that are coming to look at him as, hey, this guy could play baseball in college. I could use him. And, you know, most kids that get recruited don't go to the pros. They get grinded up in the minors or grinded up in college baseball. So that's not a foreign concept, but in this case, yeah, that kid was going to be murdered for his steam. So I thought it was kind of funny because that's not that it's not much different. There are literally vampires waiting in the wings Which for our is, children yeah, to it's exploit very their talents.
0: Metaphorical for athletes who are given college scholarships to make uh, a college entity billions of dollars while they sacrifice their bodies for them.
2: Yeah, but but, but yeah, I don't think that was the point there. But yeah, uh, well, you don't uh, know. Me, I don't know. You know. Well, well, I think there is a strong vein in this movie to try to tie the supernatural to the normal and try to make things seem more realistic. Um, It it falls apart at times, but I give this movie some credit for that. It tries to make those two worlds closer than you would normally consider them. But anyway, uh, the scariest thing for me was definitely the flashback of the dead, overdosed mother and the baby. Because that felt real personal to me. Like, that was something that Danny could have personally impacted. And, you know, he was encouraged to do so. And he ignored it. But he had to live with that, like, memory. Like, nope, you can't forget this. Remember that mom you left? Like, barfed in her own bed? Yeah, she died. And that baby you gave the bag of Cheez-Its to? He didn't make it because no one ever found them. To me, that was a pretty bleak, uh, bleak fucking scene.
3: Do you want to know how that happens in the book? Yes. Mm, well, kind of no, the, but it's it it told us think, a little, I think right? it involves cocaine. Right? Well, that, yeah. involves, no, no, that. No, no, that was, that I told you about the canny and how, you know, he found the kid covered in bruises. Um, right. She does. She does come back to him in the book. She comes back to warn him about uh, Rose, the hat in a vague way. She's like, watch out for the hat lady. And, but at the same time, he now, because he sees her, realizes that those bruises were caused by her brother who beat her and the kid to death. Ugh. So
0: He beats the kid to death, and then she is so overcome with guilt, she pops a yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah, pills yeah. and drowns in the bathtub.
3: Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. She. Oh, yeah. what a happy he, part of this pod. <laughs> yeah. He's the he's the abuser, and she kills herself, and then she warns him. And it, you know, that's it's one of those things in the book where there's multiple points where he almost goes back to just saying "fuck it" and starts drinking like crazy, and this is one of them. Yeah.
0: So, McCheese, what did you think was the best scare of the film? Was it particularly scary? I think this is more of a psychological horror film. Yeah, it's I mean, a I didn't scary I didn't, horror
3: I didn't... film. I didn't find anything particularly scary. I mean, stuff with kids screws me up. We've talked about it, you know, not on the pod before, but the witch screwed me up when I had my first kid. This screws me up now that I have, like, a four-year-old daughter. Um, And it's going to, you know, it'll screw me up forever. Uh, I I do appreciate that they finally got Miss Massey right, which is the lady in, in in the movie, it's room 237. In the book, it's 217, where... They get the scene right where she comes out and tries to get Danny and then the footprints stay there. I like that because that actually put that to rights unlike um, uh, unlike some of the other playouts of how Miss Massey works. Yeah. And how she... I mean, her, her goal is to essentially eat Danny and they got it right in this.
0: You know what I think actually hurt this movie? The fact that Steven Spielberg had already recreated The Overlook like three
1: years before this in Ready Player One. See, I thought about that. I don't know that I agree. Because if anything, that sort of jogged people's memories because you, you need that background for this movie. Yeah. If you come into this as your only experience with The Shining, none of the stuff that really is is impactful or emotional is going to matter to you.
0: Yeah. I did watch that with like a, a, a teenager... And they had no idea what the heck that was. They It didn't make any With all the references sprinkled throughout Ready Player One, and there's hundreds, that was like the one that was like, nah, what is this? I don't get it. I was like, it's the Shining, dude. <laughs> you know? uh, so, last question before we take our first break. Where would you rank this among the better Stephen King adaptations? If you had, if you had a... Would it make the top three? Would it make the top five?
3: It definitely I mean, makes top five. It's definitely in the top five. I would have to rewatch some of the real old stuff after I, reading the books. Like I you can't put number one exactly. at Shawshank, right? Yeah, I mean Shawshank. Oh, certainly it,
0: yes. Yeah, I mean that,
3: Shawshank. And it come in there fairly well. I can't remember. I mean, I don't believe that Tommyknockers is very good, but I haven't watched <laughs> it or read it in forever. Uh, it's like a, Carrie,
2: is Carrie's that good? number two. It goes Shawshank, Carrie, and then everything else.
0: Uh, I would put this in the top five for sure. I think it's better than It Chapter Two, which I don't think is at all remotely close to as good as It Chapter One. But that's the problem Dude. with It the ch- the children's portion of It was always superior to the adult portion of It. So, yeah, I mean, and it's. It I-, I feel like
1: a Sleepwalkers a, is definitely number two, right? <laughs> it's uh, such a. I was. <laughs> cats twenty or cats nineteen
0: ninety two. I was thinking. Uh, uh, The cat's eye. I was thinking thinner.
3: Thunderous Wizard, you know
2: we have a history with thinner.
1: Yeah. Listen. Listen,
2: the the running man? What about the running man? Yeah. I mean, mean, it's
0: not as good as uh, this. I mean, I love the running man, but it's not as good as this. I
2: I agree.
3: I think it's just, it's a brutal, it's a. It's a brutal list to rank, because there's so many, and so many are good, and so many are just so woefully so awful. Dream really touch. bad. Uh,
0: Rose Manor. Misery should be, I mean, Misery's top five, I Ooh, think, yeah. right? That's
2: so fair. Dolores Claiborne.
0: Yeah, also very good.
1: Uh,
3: can we get ten in the top five?
1: Well, I mean, you can not address original fucking Shining, right? Like, huh? maybe that's not the best adaptation, but it's definitely one of the better movies that was ever made.
0: Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, I would say this. I mean, maybe it's not in the top five, but it's up there. It's one of the better ones. It's very good. It's a high quality uh, adaptation, and we've mentioned it's, ve- it's very good it for sure. It's
3: very good. It's very watchable.
1: Agreed. Yes.
0: But if you're pressed on time, uh, thinner's
2: a lot shorter. It's <laughs> <That's> a lot
1: <laughs>
0: thinner.
2: Yeah, it's a lot leaner. Wait, 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 hold on. What's wrong with Maximum Overdrive? I, I love, love I love movie. Maximum Overdrive. Well, there, I that, the the that, Green Goblin's in it. That sounds like a solid <laughs> number three right there. You know
3: what's that, that crazy? That might end up being my, my horror roundtable just because I want to rewatch and it. And
2: just in case you're on the fence there with Maximum Overdrive, that movie has a all ACDC soundtrack. It also is the only movie to
0: ever give us the actual Green Goblin as a villain on film. Not... Weird Biker Green Goblin, not Angry Troll Doll Green Goblin. It's the actual Green Goblin in the form of a monster truck murdering on people. Face,
2: <laughs> on the face of a monster, yes, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, That's correct. And it really and checks co- out. And I a mean.
3: coke machine killing people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, by shooting cans in their dick. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of nonsensical really kills great, in that movie. It's a great and movie. And Emilio! Yeah. Yep. All right. So, <laughs> maximum
3: overdrive. Okay. so it turns
0: There's out Maximum stuff. Overdrive, <laughs> Next best Stephen King adaptation. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, it is What is Tied Cannot Be Untied Trivia Challenge. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to the 79th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are doing Dr. Sleep the Stephen King adaptation directed by Mike Flanagan, and this is our What Is Tied, Cannot Be Untied trivia challenge. It is all trivia relating to the film Dr. Sleep. So to chime in, simply say, Red Rum, are we ready?
2: Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance.
0: That sounds like we're ready, I think. Uh,
2: that sounds like something from Howard
0: the Duck. yeah. <laughs> Don't you remember that scene where Danny made out with the cigarette lighter in a jeep? I do. Really weird. Really strange.
2: So weird. So uh, weird.
0: Number one. Ewan McGregor was not the original choice to play adult Danny Torrance. Many other actors were considered. Which of these was not one of them? Was not. Was it A, Chris Evans? Was it B Jeremy Renner? Was it C Dan Stevens? Or was it D. Matthew McConaughey?
1: Red Rum. Ooh. Captain Cash. McConaughey.
0: That is correct.
3: Ooh, that was, that was my guess.
0: Yep, McConaughey was not considered. As we all know, he played the Man in Black and perhaps the worst Stephen King adaptation, The Dark Tower. Uh,
2: the Stand. Oh wait. Never
3: worse. Mind. Worse than Dreamcatcher?
2: I think yeah, it is. Fair. I have.
3: No. I've never watched it. I won't watch it. Dreamcatcher uh,
2: is fantastic. Fuck you. No, it's
0: worse. I love The Dark Tower. It's my favorite of Stephen King's books. Uh, series, obviously. And that movie is an abomination. Number well, two.
1: Eventually, I love Idris Elba. I love McConaughey. Why did that movie not do better? Because
0: it's all here's seven books into one movie.
1: Oh no, yeah, that's fair. Here's it,
2: my own trip. And it's question, super, it's super fucking hard to watch.
3: Here's my own three... Uh, trivia question to you did you catch the uh the dark tower comment in this movie i did and i actually have a question about it coming up
0: because there's a lot of dark tower references in this movie surprisingly
3: okay.
0: uh more than any other stephen king movie there's a couple like other things they do uh for example the way they shoot the hallways at the hospice was meant to look like the death row block of the green mile but i didn't catch that when i watched it but There's a lot of Dark Tower references. Number two, Danny Lloyd, the original Danny Torrance, The Shining, has a cameo in this movie. What is he listed as in the credits? Is it A, spectator? Is it B, park attendee? Is it C, movie theater patron? Or is it D, AA member?
3: Red rum. Ah.
0: McCheese. AA member? Incorrect.
1: Oh, that was going oh. my... Uh, red Rum.
0: Captain Cash.
1: Movie theater goer?
0: Incorrect. Damn it! Jump till I can repeat them if you need me to. Please do. The remaining choices are A, Spectator, or B, Park Attendee. Spectator. That is correct. So nah. Danny Lloyd can oh. be spotted in the background during the baseball game. He's telling the other guy, like, oh, this guy sees everything. He can hit you know, he always knows what pitches are coming. That's Danny Lloyd, who essentially quit acting after the Shining. Although uh from what I understand, he really enjoyed working with Jack Nicholson. Said he was nice. I, mean, it, yeah.
3: I think I think that tracks for having to work with
2: Kubrick though. Yeah.
0: So number yeah, he's apparently a pain in the yes. ass, right?
2: Right. A zillion takes.
0: Yeah. So we are tied one to one. Captain Cash, Chumpzilla, one to one. Cheese, you have zero. Number three, director Mike Flanagan kept one of the props from the film. Which one was it? Was it A, one of the containers the True Knot preserved the shine in? The Yeti, AK. Was it B... Sponsored by Yeti. Yeah.
3: Thank you, Yeti, for your generous contributions to this spot. The $700 thermos. Was it B,
0: the axe that Danny confronts Rose the hat with? Was right it rough. C, Rose the Hat's hat? Uh, McCheese. I really want
3: it to be B. That's why I'm coming I, in early. I wanted it to be B, too. It is the
0: axe. That's correct.
3: Ah, of course it was.
0: We are tied to, gotta, one, to one to one to one.
3: I actually, the I other I option was... To getting that
0: point back. ...was the box that Dick Halloran gives Danny. I thought that would have been, like, the
1: favorite. Uh, that, would, that would have been my second guess.
0: It's a pretty sweet axe. So there was two axes. There was a real axe, and then there was an axe with, obviously, the rubber...
2: A funny, funny head that just slapped yeah. around. Yeah. So, so when can we do the fun like uh, uh, Jack Nicholson axe fact thing about the original door bashing?
0: Well, we could I can tell you this: that in recreating the door, which they hacked open with an actual axe, they they had four doors, and it was apparently a lot bigger pain in the ass than they thought it was going to be to hack through four doors.
2: Nice. Well, yeah, no- never underestimate the pain in the ass that is. Hacking through a door. Well, well, I guess in the original movie, Jack Nicholson had been a volunteer firefighter, so he was like really good with the axe. So he used to bust through the door way too easily. So they'd like build like a super heavy door so he wouldn't smash it with well, the first couple of
0: smacks. That checks out. Jack's the man. Jack yeah,
2: Napier. on.
0: Number four, we're at one to one to one. Number four, Dr. Sleep reused three shots. From the original Shining. Three shots. Which one was not one of them? Was it Danny riding the big wheel through the hallways of the overlook? Was it B, the two separate shots of them driving up towards the hotel through that winding path? Or was it C, the shot of the island in a canyon? Like the sh- from? Uh Who said B? You're incorrect. Yeah. Red rum.
3: Fuck. You gotta Nile dial in.
1: McCheese,
0: what happened? Yeah. What's well, not B. He said it uh Th- There was only was there's only
3: three options there. Yeah. It was weird. Oh, this puts me in a corner because I, I really think it's A, but I don't remember C. I'm gonna go with A. That is correct. That is not one of them. Danny riding the big wheel through the hallways of the
0: overlook is completely reshot. Obviously they rebuilt all of that stuff. The two separate shots of the cars driving up to the Overlook Hotel. Those are from the original film, as well as that shot of the island in the canyon. What they did was they recreated those shots to make it nighttime and make it more snowy. But those <clears throat> are shots from Kubrick's original film.
3: The, the only thing wow. that stuck out to me with the big wheel for some odd reason when I watched it two well, now it's five hours ago, uh, was the tires. The tires didn't look right from the first movie. It's, from The Shining. There's oh, oh, if fuck you, you
0: if you're casually observing Sorry. the big
3: wheel, you can mistake
0: it like I mean it's that close. Like that's how well they did it. But you, you the actor yes. you can just tell is not the same kid. And plus the grain of the film is a lot different. So they they would have had to like do a lot with that. I don't know. So McCheese is in the lead. Two to one to one. This is our last question, but there are multiple choices here. I'm not going to provide any options. If you are able to name these things, you can get a point per thing. And here it is. is. This film goes out of its way to reference the Dark Tower. So as I said, I'm going to provide no options. If you're able to name them, I will provide
3: a point for each thing that you name. Red rum. McCheese. At least to start. Because I already have this one down because Dick Halloran tells Danny that cause a wheel. Which is straight out of the dark yep. tower. Yep,
0: that is the yeah. very obvious one. So you have three points. Can you name
3: any other ones? Do I? I mean, can I take a second to think, or do I need to sure. do them all yeah. now? No, you can take. Some. Okay. I mean, at, p- other people can chime in. Don't feel. Yeah.
0: You're gonna have to because you're down three to one to one.
1: No, I mean, yeah, we're gonna have to chime in. I I know at some point they reference something as a giant spider, which I I intuit as the the thing that's trying to eat the Dark Tower. But, no, I mean, after Ka is a wheel, I go fuzzy. I
0: mean, that was the very obvious one. The other ones, if you watch the movie multiple times, well, you'll catch... Hold
3: on, hold on. Does Chumpzilla have any or not? Oh, he
0: has no idea about Dark Tower references, I would gather. No, okay.
3: Yeah, all right. No, right. No, I'm curious. H- hit us with them, though.
0: Okay, so, most notably, the motto Ka, which is featured prominently in the Dark Tower... Ka is the wheel. He says that to Danny. Uh, That word is also spelled above the balloon animals on Abra's or above Abra's bed in the balloon animals. Ka. Oh, I did
1: not notice that. Other
0: Dark Tower uh, links include the presence of Lamarck Industries. That's where the kid is buried. Baseball boy. They bury him at Lamarck Industries, uh, which is run by the Dark Tower's antagonist, the Crimson King. Uh, the bus line that Danny rides to New Hampshire is the Tet Transit line.
3: Oh, man. Yep.
0: Uh, the baseball player, baseball boy, wears the number 19, which is an important number throughout the Dark Tower. Yeah. Uh, a stand-up show by Joe Collins is seen in a cinema's marquee. If you remember, Joe Collins, uh, essentially, in the last Dark Tower book, f- is is feeding off their laughter. He nearly kills them. Um. And then of course the recurring rose motif through, seen throughout Doctor Sleep. So those yeah. are some other references. But Joe Collins obviously Lambert Industries, the number nineteen and TET Transit, like dead on. Yeah. Dark Tower stuff. But I, Which... I I honestly only caught I think one of them when I was watching it, and I think it was the bus, the uh, not the bus, the Lambert Industries where they buried the kid.
3: Yeah, I only caught uh, Cause a Wheel.
1: Yeah, likewise. And that's one of the things that I love about King, the same way that I, I loved about um, uh, like mall rats and all the stuff that happens with with all of the Jersey trilogy and stuff. It, it's it's fun to ha- kind of have those weird illusions that maybe all this is happening in the same place. Yeah,
0: and, and which is when I said like if, if King references, is self-referential in his books, you should keep it in the movie. Or the adaptation. You really should because honestly, Stephen King fans, whether it's just of the movies or the books, are going to get like a huge buzz off of that and be really excited about it. It's
2: just cool. Hey, that is marketing right there. You're going to market your property? you got to build some buzz. The Stephen King Cinematic Universe. I would kill for that. S-T-C-U. If there's one man Kevin, who needs Kevin to Smith and buzz, Stephen King need Steve to come together, yeah. Well, but you know his movies have not been that great there. Uh, well, I think now is the time
0: to do it. Like now is the time well, where you could really, really do it, uh, and you could do shows and you could do on. movies. Yeah.
3: No. Yeah.
2: Is no, that I, his I, problem? I, is that his problem that the movies are bad because he's not a film director? Well, no. 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 I think you have an excellent point there, Mayor Richie. I think uh, he needs to capitalize on it because Stephen King's properties have value, but he's yet to like somehow like get that big ass movie money for it. No. Okay. No. He has now. Like they've for done some of them, so yeah. much stuff in the last yeah, ten yeah. years. Like he's crushing yeah. it. But no. The point is though. Like he he has so many like bad movies that should make good money.
0: I mean, a, a lot of things. I mean, you could redo Salem's Lot. They did Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which I love, which obviously is the date that Kennedy was assassinated, and it's one of my favorite Stephen King books. And the show is great. It's on Hulu, and you can watch it. But yep. even in Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, the the lead character goes back to Derry, Maine. But in the show, they change that, and it's like, no, no, make him go to Derry, Maine, make that a part of that, yeah. because people want it's, that. It's yeah. very cool, like to, for him to go talk to local youth in Derry, Maine. They're like, yeah, weird shit's been happening here. Like kids are disappearing. Even though it doesn't have anything to do with the plot yeah. of Eleven, Twenty Two, Sixty Three, it's just a really nice tie-in to have in there.
2: I, yeah, to your point there, Thunderous Wizard. He has built a very interesting universe that people love.
0: Yes. So that is our uh, that's the end of our quiz. Uh, Mayor McCheese is the champion. So I have great I've great, great two news for you. I got you Mrs. Maisie's body from room <laughs>
2: from room oh. two sixty seven. It's just a replica, Wait. it's not actually her. But... but those saggy zombie tits gross. <laughs> so gross. gross dog. So not, I mean not cool. I'd, listen, listen.
1: I'd, <laughs> let's not let's not shame anybody who might I'm find not, that very
2: attractive. I'm not zombie body shaming anybody, but that's just like smelly. It's a little smelly.
0: Okay, we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're gonna do recommendations and tell you what's coming up. Catch you on the flip side. and welcome back to the 79th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com This is our closing segment of our Dr. Sleep Pod and it is recommendations so Cash the Hat why don't you kick us off
1: Uh, So if you haven't seen it check out The Boys Uh, The Thunderous Wizard and I were there for the premiere of that movie excuse me, that show back in 2019 Uh, Season two just finished up on Amazon Prime, so you can stream the entire two seasons right now if you want. It's only uh, 16 hours. So, you know, uh, two seasons, eight episodes apiece. Uh, It, honestly, for me, it turned a hard corner in season two, going from, you know, kind of a fun, dumb superhero thing that was sort of, you know, vulgar and silly to just being full on good. I like I recommend this show very heavily.
0: Yeah, it's a great show. It's actually doing like bonkers numbers like competing with some of Netflix's top shows. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm I'm not shocked that it became a huge oh, no. hit because we were there and we saw like how great it had the potential we were to there be
1: in full cosplay. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I'm really excited that it it realized that potential. Uh Mayor Cheese, what's your recommendation for the week?
3: I am going to keep it in the horror vein. I'm going to do two H movies. I'm doing High Tension and Hard Candy. And if you can get High Tension, the original version. I don't know if they remade it. Someone told me they did, but you'll have to uh you have to get the French version. Do that one and Hard Candy is a uh, that's pretty Jesus. brutal movie. Both yeah, of those are. That one's brutal. Yeah. But I mean, we're doing horror movies. These are these are horror movies that are meant to scare, not story movies like the one we just did.
0: Uh, and uh,
2: Chumpzilla,
0: what do you recommend?
2: Personally, I think the scariest reality we can all face right now is the America as one. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so my recommendation is just the simple thing to go out and vote, folks. Yes. Please vote. Yes. vote. Vote once. Vote lawfully. But vote. Get out there and vote. I love you take care
0: okay that's fair Uh, this is the purge election year essentially that we're living in so uh, I have two two recommendations the first is Hush which I mentioned before at the very beginning of the pod it's a Mike Flanagan directed movie it's on Netflix it's a much more straightforward uh, slasher flick and the principal protagonist in that movie is deaf so there's very little dialogue in the entire movie I like that movie a lot. It's free on Netflix. The second one, another Mike Flanagan-directed movie. Watch Gerald's Game. It's based on a Stephen King novella. It's a real trippy movie about a woman and her husband uh, having some kinky foreplay, and her husband dies, and she's basically handcuffed to the bed, stuck with her dead husband on top of her, and experiences a series of hallucinations. Mike Flanagan's got a lot of talent, We talked about it throughout this entire pod. Like He cares very much about the stuff he's doing. He's a very passionate filmmaker, and nothing is more evident than either of those two movies or everything he did with Dr. Sleep. So those are my two recommendations. Um, I think you'll really enjoy them. I think you'll really enjoy Dr. Sleep. Now, remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself at T L K. You can find Captain Cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. Uh, he'll probably be wearing his stupid hat or lounging around in a haberdashery. You can find chumpsilla at chumpsilla 8 on Twitter. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media. Tell us about shitty horror movies or great horror movies that nobody appreciated that you love. We're going to see you next week for... Uh, technically the final entry in our Flops That Go Bump in the Night series. We're going to do one more bonus episode because October turned out to be the Friday month from hell. Uh, Lots of Fridays in October for us to drop podcasts on. So Captain Cash, what are we doing next week?
1: Next week we are going to be doing The Mist because I went and rewatched Event Horizon and I hated it. So instead, let's do a movie that's actually good.
3: I think, and more uh, King stuff for me to talk about.
0: Yeah. I Thomas mean, Jane approves. I think that's fair. We The pod can always use more Thomas Jane. The pod can always use more Stephen King. And the pod can always use less Tom, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson.
1: And more Merrimac cheese.
0: Yes. out,
3: buddy. Two in a row. Two in a row.
0: You won't need eyes where we're going. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, in closing, just remember, we're all dying The world is just one really big hospice with fresh air. We'll see you next time. That's a quote from Danny Torrance. I'm not that bleak, but that's a quote from the movie.